When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. The driver's seat. Stevie Johnson's going to She has done a fabulous job, and no wonder she is smiling. The driver's seat. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Start the celebrations for McLaren. The driver's seat with Matt McKeldin and Stephen Johnson for Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. And welcome to the driver's seat. Yes, we're live on tape because there is this pesky little thing that is called uh, Rugby League that seems to be going at the moment. It is state versus state, mate, mate versus mate. And look, we're not going to beat around the bush here. There is a lot of Queensland pride around here, so we're going to be very biased for the time being. But uh, my name is Nims Azor, joined as always by Stephen Johnson. Steve, how are we? Oh, very good. Thank you, Nimsy. I'll tell you what, Steve is uh, live in SA at the moment because you're doing a bit of work at the band. We're mm-hmm. all over the country at the moment because joining us via the wonders of uh, the modern telephone is the one and only Matthew McKeldin taking the role of our feature interview thanks to Ryko Filters. Remember to ask your mechanic for Ryko Filters, the professional's choice. Matthew, first off, happy birthday and uh, welcome to the driver's seat. Oh, mate, thank you so much. Yes, the big 4-9. Happy to get another year down the track. And I must say, boys, uh, if I'm your feature interview tonight, you must have been scraping the bottom of the barrel. We mustn't have been able to get anyone else on. But uh, I thank you for the intro nonetheless. Well, in fact, where was my intro? Where was my big, you know, McKeldon's into the wall or any of that sort of stuff like we do for the big guests? There was none of that action. <laughs> There you go. There's That's the person right. you can blame for that one. But look, it has been a very, very big uh, weekend of racing. It's all about Townsville. I'll quickly run through the results of the Townsville 500, just in case you missed it. Race one, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen stood on the top step. Will Davison picked up pole. Cameron Waters, P3. P4, Andre Heimgartner, a great result for uh, Brad Jones Racing. They had a stellar weekend. And P5, Scotty Pye, who for the first time in a very long time actually ended up in the top five because he's had an absolute Barry Crocker of a year in race two. Now, that's where we're going to spend all of our time because he had Shane Van Gisbergen lead Anton Di Pasquale on the podium with Cameron Waters, who started on pole in P3. James Courtney in P4, and Chaz Mossett rounds out in P5. But uh, I can tell you right now, oh, it was a heated, heated little exchange, literally at the last corner. And Stevie, I'll, I'll start off with you, because you and Townsville and Contact uh, have a bit of history. <laughs> yeah, it was... 
<laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. They weren't teammates, though. That's the that's the difference. That is the difference there. But 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 look, when you saw that, when you saw like you know all that was happening, what was your first reaction? Because in case you missed it, SVG he swept the Townsville five hundred. But the big story was during the final corner, uh, there was a clash between him and Anton Di Pasquale, and ADP went and spun. SVG in the last seconds of the race, crossed the line first, but was handed a five seconds penalty for the clash. Now it got all really interesting because, so basically Anton was given the instructions, redress, redress, you know, we, um, we, you know, let SVG take the lead again. And SVG was like, nah, not on my watch. Thanks mate. I'll just uh, sneak up behind you. And did he, if maybe I, I saw this differently, but did he give him a little tap too? No, I don't. I did, he didn't give him a tap. Well, that was really loud, Nimsy. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, he didn't give him a, a tap, but um, that's just that's just the the nature of the game. You know, some people uh, would think about doing that. Shane knew that there was going to be a penalty because it, I mean, it was blatantly obvious that it was a penalty. It didn't uh, it didn't happen the way that it, you know that I guess Anton would have liked it to have happened. Um, he wasn't able to pull it up. Um, it was you know a black and white penalty. And I think that what Shane was secretly wanting to do was to get more of a penalty mm-hmm. um, for Anton. You know, maybe uh, a 15-second penalty or a drive-through penalty or something. But um, that didn't happen. I think I think common sense prevailed, and and he had a go. You know, it's obviously caused a lot of a lot of posts in social media land and 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 on websites and things because uh, of the nature of how it happened and and when it happened. But in the end, I mean, that happens all the time through and throughout races, and mm. it doesn't get the headlines of that because it's not for the lead of the race in the last corner. So um, I think it was dealt with perfectly. Those two des- deserve to finish first and second the way that they did with Shane first, Anton second. Um, you know, and Cam Waters was uh, a distant, I think, 13 seconds back in third starting that last lap. So uh, it got to the point where they went that slow down to the start-finish line trying to redress that... Uh, I think they're only a second and a half away from Cam actually snaffling uh, second spot from Anton with his five-second penalty. Yeah, 1.6 seconds, I think. And, I, and I, I think that's what, boys, I think that's what SVG was thinking about, maybe getting Anton a 15-second penalty. But as I understand it, the way the rules read, and I read something with Craig Baird um, during the week about this too, had there been a third car, had it been Cam, ADP and SVG, and SVG had all of a sudden lost more than one position, then they would have applied a 15-second penalty. But because it was only two cars, no positions were lost other than those two, and it could have been redressed. It was only a five-second penalty. And Beto made a really interesting point. He said, you know what, it's not up to, it's not up to SVG to be handing out the penalties, which is what he was trying to do. He said, I hand out the penalties, or I at least advise for the penalties to be handed out. So I understand what SVG was doing, but boy, didn't he cop a belting online? I mean, Stevie J, you and I know some folks who sent us some private messages and there was no holding back there. From what I could see, there weren't too many people that really liked what SVG did, which was not allow the redress to happen and then ADP to try and get a bigger penalty. He He didn't fare well out of this one, I don't think. No, he didn't. And I think it's very reminiscent to what he did, uh, even though he said he did it, you know, and didn't think about it. It wasn't something that he planned when he parked Scotty McLaughlin in in, in New Zealand um, a few years back mm, now. That's um, right, and he couldn't yeah. get out of his car. They are all gamesmanships. That, that's that's all things that, that he does and, and does happen. And 
um, this was very similar to that. You know, I mean, obviously he's thinking about giving him a, a bigger penalty, wanting that so that he loses more positions in the race and actually loses more points to him in the championship. Um, I think the uh, the fair and reasonable and the, and the sensible result happened. And, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it, it has been seen that it has that it was a bit unsportsmanlike um, within mm. pretty much all of the fans, and he has copped a belting from it. So, um, but that, I don't think that bothers him, to be honest. He's he's just a racer, and I mean, if you're going to try to attempt to give somebody or, or advantage yourself more for the championship, I mean, what driver wouldn't do it? You've nailed it on the head there too, because like SVG is such, he's so cool as a cucumber that like he could have people with pitchforks outside the front of his house, and I don't think he'd bat an eyelid at that. And if, if, if well, the thing is like if people online reckon that like you know he's sitting there going through these texts, going, oh my god, they don't like me, oh da da da, like he could oh, yeah. give not happening zero stuffs at this one. But but Maddie, what did you think yeah. about the actual decision though of SVG to just to try and play because. Mark Scaife, and you probably didn't see because you were actually racing this weekend, but Mark Scaife said on commentary, he's just like, they're going to play, they're going to go the judicial route. You know, they're going to, he's going to take it to the courtroom essentially rather than actually, you know, do it on track. Yeah. Look, don't forget Mark's there to also build tension and colour and excitement with the, uh, with the commentary team as well. So I think he beat it up pretty hard. I think... Really, and Stevie, Stevie J and I have both been in this position. When something like that happens out of the blue, it's not like he's got time to sit there, think about it, discuss it, come up with a formulated plan as to how to make it uh, a better situation for him. He literally has maybe 10 seconds to digest all of that. Tell me in life when we've all had opportunities or we've had instances where we've done something that we've looked back and gone, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. It was an instantaneous decision. It wasn't the greatest decision, as you rightly say. He, he doesn't care. But at the end of the day, he's copped the belting for it. But look, he tried to get an advantage. Didn't work. He was cruising to victory. ADP, I think, also has a role to play in this. I mean, he sent that thing back from a, another postcode. It was hauling in <laughs> yeah. there. It was probably never going to stop. It was never going to stop. It was never going to stop. It was never, it, the only thing that was going to stop him was SVG, and that's mm. the way it played out. So, look, I think, bottom line, boys, the best way I describe it, it was clumsy, wasn't a great look, but then it also added a little bit of drama to the end of Townsville, which has typically over the last couple of years not been the most exciting racing so to see two cars battling it out right at the end there with a little bit of salt and pepper to cross the line I thought was pretty cool in the end yeah it certainly was and there's a couple of other little talking points too that you can take away from that weekend uh, because we've been mentioning this uh, like and we've been talking about how you know walk and show and ready united are very hot and cold very hot and cold but uh, some of the same mm. old stories were sort of happening like WA, like Nick, uh, Nick Perkat was P nowhere during qualifying. We saw more troubles for Team 18. Penrite Racing seemed to go backwards. And then Erebus were also in struggle town as well. Is, 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 it, is it getting to the point of the season where the lines are basically drawn in the sand and there's not really much to salvage after here? I mean, like Steve, you could probably talk about this a little bit more when you do get to this time of the year mm. and, you know, you kind of know where your team's going to be. Like, what do you do for the rest of the year? Because if you're in the Erebus garage right now and you had such a promising back half of last year, would you be, and you and both your drivers, both Brody and Will, didn't qualify in the top 10, didn't make the top 10 shootout. 
Like that's got to be pretty uh, hard on those two boys because they're they're really really tough races, and they would probably like be sitting there during while everyone's doing their flying laps, going, oh, "Should be us." Well, if you're sitting there and you're you know you're a Bathurst winning team, you've got uh, two, you got a Bathurst winning driver, the late the last of the Bathurst events, you've got the reigning champion there, um, you've got Dave Reynolds there that's been on song. And I mean, you are—you've been towed up by—and uh, this is definitely no disrespect to to Matt Stone Racing. They've been doing a fantastic job, but Jack LeBrock absolutely mm. wiped mm. the floor of those guys. Was in the top ten both days in qualifying. Um, you've got to be asking yourself what's going on. And um, you know, I think that, uh, but obviously, not only, um, and obviously, I'm talking about. Um, Grove, uh, Grove Racing, yeah. Grove Racing here, but um, but also um, you you talk about Barry Ryan and, and Erebus and uh, and the Boost guys. It's it's disappointing because you can go and we've seen it with WAU when they went to Perth. They've they had they've got probably the, some of the fastest cars in the country um, at places like Bathurst and so forth. Um, and then you know. You go to Perth, and they're literally at the back row of the grid. And you, you get Barry Ryan coming out in the media and, and in social media publicly apologising to their sponsors for such a poor showing. Yeah, um, it's not uh, it's not a good look for them, um, especially when you know they're wanting to be that team or a team that's cons like consistently up the front and and you know meant to be on the up. So um, you know, for, for I think for my for mine, those two teams were the most disappointing for me. Over the weekend, what about you, Maddie? What did you think when you saw, when you looked at the results and you looked at the timesheets and saw, you know, what the top mm. end of town looked like? I I, I did uh, mention in there uh, Andre Heimgartner because I think that he is punching above his weight because uh, and it kind of shows to a little bit how how much of a talented driver he is because the rest of the BJR crew, like no disrespect to him, but they they're in a different league. He's in a different league to him, wouldn't you say? Yeah, look. Yes, he is, and he's dragging he's dragging that car probably up further than it should be. On occasion, there is still no consistency with BJR. Um, and further to that point, boys, I think for me, looking out from this round, it, it's a round where there are now more questions than answers mm -hmm. came out of this round because, Stevie J, you're the driver. You've got a lot more experience than I. We are in however many years we've been racing with these cars now. We're in our final year of them. I just, I find it hard to swallow that a team manager comes out and says, oh, we're just surprised by the pace of the hard tyre. Or other team people saying, oh, we just didn't deal with the hard tyre well enough. I would have thought after all these years, and as we're now knocking on the door of Gen 3, that these very big teams would have their heads together uh, around how these mousetraps should work and be working better. Nick Perkett continues, and he had Dave Couchy on his car this weekend or last weekend. St that still seems to be a Rubik's Cube that they just can't get right. Um, how can these cars and teams and drivers now, after so many years, still be a mystery running these cars, still be a mystery on how to get them to go fast, whether it's a super soft or a hard tyre? I don't get it. Yeah, I'm the same, Matty. It's not like it's new information for them. It's um, it's a tie that they've no. been running on for a long time, and it's one of those mm. situations where you know they've got all the information on. Them. They've been to all the tracks on them, 
um, you know, they've been to street yep. circuits. They've been to fast flowing tracks like um, obviously, you know, Bathurst or the Grand Prix or whatever it might be. And they've been to short little tracks like Simmons Plain. So I don't understand. I mean, yes, we've been bringing in these soft tyres to try to spice it up a bit and they've been great. But I still don't understand how they can say exactly what you said, Matty. You know, we just didn't understand. We don't understand the hard tour. We, we don't know how to make it work here or whatever it might be. It's, you know, that's in the end no. of the day. That's, if that's you're in job. any other job, if you're in any other job, like if you were if you were five or six years into your job doing the same thing with the same tool or equipment or whatever, and you just fronted up to the boss to say, mate, oh, I just don't get it. Oh, I don't understand. You'd, like, mm. you'd be fair dinkum marched. Mm. So... I don't know whether it's now a focus on Gen Three, but these are the sort the, the sorts of the sorts of things that I heard coming out of the mouths of team owners and drivers, mind you, are the sorts of things I would be expecting for next year with the Gen Three while we're trying to work out this new buggy, um, not what we had this weekend. So a lot more questions came out of Townsville than answers for me. What came out of it for me is that DJR. And Triple Eight clearly are still the leaders. Yeah, they're cut above. They're um, cut above the rest. Only one car was. They are a cut above the rest. One car in Tickford was strong with Cam Waters. He picked up two thirds for the weekend and a pole position. Uh, but at the end of the day, everyone back from there, when you look at the results from Saturday to Sunday, is completely jumbled and mixed. Um, and, and so I just don't, I don't understand how we're doing, how we're getting to those sort of results at the moment. And then in answer to your original question there, Nimsy, you'll notice some teams now will probably turn around after they realise that their championships are done and dusted. <laughs> They'll wheel out that, oh, you know, look, we value Bathurst from here on in. We're yeah, just okay. going to focus on <laughs> Bathurst moving forward. That's because you, that's because you duffed the season, you peanut, and now we're going to go and race towards Bathurst. So. <laughs> it's either that or they're going to, it's either that or they're going to uh, focus all on Gen Three, one or the other. I <laughs> yeah. don't know. It's gonna, there's going to be yeah. that many excuses. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, we we stopped developing. We're going to run on Gen Three here <laughs> from here on in. Our championship's done. <laughs> <laughs> you watch what happens now with the dialogue from some isn't of that these what, Isn't that what Mercedes funny. was? That, isn't that what the Mercedes F1 was saying last year? Until they ended up taking Lewis yeah. ended up winning two or three in a row and becoming back in the hunt for the championship. You know, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So it, it's very funny. But um, I mean, some points for me, I guess, coming out of this team eighteen, your favourite team there, Stevie. Which, in fact, somebody I think Gabe's. Uh, mentioned on it online there, you could be a possibility for a, a co-driver seat now <laughs> That's right. at Team 18. Is it, is it April I the 1st? I don't think so, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But for me, for me, Team 18 continued to have power steering problems with Winterbottom, another accident for, uh, for Shepherds as well. So they continue the, the misery there. Percat wasn't fast again. Um, uh, there just seems, and, and the big one for me, off supercar was the accident of Tony Quinn. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, th- th- he was in the Porsche uh, in the Carrera Cup accident, which we all saw. We all took a deep breath for just a second there, but it's it's only come to light 24 hours after that accident just how damaged uh, Tony is. And he's been running on a real high after all of his work at Queensland Raceway in the open day and getting lots yep. of platitudes and lots of love for from everybody and and that was a monster accident and and you know he is he is uh 
he's still in hospital. He's well hurt. He is well hurt. Yeah, um, the family's put out a statement. I'll read that a little bit later on in the show. But uh, yeah, it is it, Tony Tony Quinn's family have posted an update on his injuries and his well-being. But we'll touch on that later. But we do want to wish uh, TQ um, the speedy recovery. And uh, I, I'm I, I am glad to see that he managed to walk away from that, and he at least is in good spirits. So hopefully we'll see him back. Uh, trackside uh, sooner rather than later. Um, before we let you go, Maddie, let's uh, quickly sneak in some power rankings because we ought to do our three, two, one. So let's get straight into it. This is the driver's seat power rankings. Now it is very simple. This is basically our Brownlow medal. Uh, we or our Dally M uh, because we are talking about rugby league uh, it, uh, at this time of the year. Uh, so basically. Uh, this is what the leaderboard looks like right now. SVG sits on top with 19 votes. Nine votes in P2 is Will Davison. Seven votes in P3 is David Reynolds. Six votes, uh, Cameron Waters and Chaz Mostert. Five votes, James Courtney and Gary Jacobson. That one was a little bit of a, uh, a generous one from you, uh, Matthew. Yeah. Nothing for the old Gary. What are you thinking, you muppet? Uh, four votes for Toddy Hazelwood. Two votes for Brock Feeney, Lee Holdsworth, Andre Holmgartner, and Chris Pither. And one vote for Anton Vizquale, Brody Kostecki, and Tim Slade. We'll start off with you, Matty. Who gets the old three, two, and one? Well, mate, I'm just going to say thank you for starting off with me because I am on the east coast of Tasmania right now, standing outside of my hotel room, and uh, I, you'll, be, you'll be not surprised to find out that Tasmania in winter is bloody freezing. So let's get this underway. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, with my three points, I'm going to give it to Cam Waters because uh, he showed real consistency over the weekend. The only one of the Tickford cars, as I said, that did. I know uh, that JC finished fourth in the second race, but I'm going to give him three points for his consistency. I'm going to give two points to Brock Feeney. Again, consistency. He was six and seventh in both races over the weekend. And I think Stevie J, uh, the fact that, yes, he's been there in Dunlop Super 2, but the fact that he had those results up against some seasoned uh, competitors, didn't make any real mistakes, didn't whack any walls, didn't take any mirror covers off, I thought was a, a great effort. So two points to Mr. Feeney. And I'm going to give one point to SVG. Now... I didn't like what he did on on uh, Sunday. Uh, I didn't like the fact that when uh, Anton Di Pasquale came up to shake his hand, he basically fresh aired him. Oh, he, uh, I just that don't was, like that look for our sport. That was quietly. very yeah, much a just, cold just shoulder. Just <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. Uh, colder than a mother, mother-in-law's kiss, that one. So <laughs> I'm going to give SVG one point. Oh, you've got to give him one point because he won both uh, rounds, uh, both races over the weekend. So he deserves to be on the board, but... Uh, with that behaviour, unfortunately, that just gets him one point for mine. There you go. What about you, Stevie? Your three, two, one. Well, I, uh, you know, I don't condone what Shane did either. I don't think that was great. Even though you know he's a he's a tough racer and that's all he cares about. Um, you know, the the shake of the hand, the turn of the back. Like I would have at least given him a fist pump. Said, yep, no worries. I want to go see my team first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, yep. was a bad look, and same with on the track, you know. Either, either way, um, you can't deny his skill. You can't deny, you know, how fast he is when he needs to be fast. You know, I mean, he, he reeled in a 17-second mm-hmm. gap in race one to Will Davison and, uh, and put five seconds on him, you know, by the end of the race. So, you know, 20, 22 or three seconds he pulled in in the matter of 15 laps. So... Um, pretty impressive, and 
and uh, obviously on the Sunday he had it all uh, basically under control, I guess, until the last corner. Um, but you know, just what he's how impressive he is with uh, with what he can do through the race, how he can manage and see how the race unfolds is um, is pretty cool. So I've given him three points. I'm going to give Will Davo two points. I mean, the yep. the dude was was on fire. Yes, he didn't finish in the in the top three on Sunday, but that comeback after the car was and the car was half broken as well. You know, he was into the tyres. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, you know, and for him, you saw the side of the car afterwards. I mean, yeah, it was a bit of an unfortunate incident with him and Scotty Pye, but um, you know, for him to come back and finish seventh and salvage something reasonable for his championship is is pretty sensational. I thought so. Great job to him. Uh, but also, you know, he was. I reckon he was. He was the benchmark basically in qualifying. I know Cam Waters qualified on pole, but yep. Will was the benchmark. He set the fastest lap overall lap over the weekend um, as well, and set the fastest lap in race two, and uh, just did a great job. Now I know you said Nick Percat was slow on the weekend, Maddie. I'm going to give him one point mm-hmm. because Nick Percat passed more cars mm. over the weekend than anybody else. He passed 20 cars for. Uh, he was up 13 positions in race two, up seven positions in race one, or, or the other way around. I can't remember. Um, and so I'm going to give him uh, one point, and uh, I think that he deserves that. So yes, he was up seven positions on Saturday's race and up 13 positions on Sunday's race. So good comeback from him. Good race pace, not very good qualifying pace. So um, I think that at least gets him on the board and hopefully gives him a little bit of hope. And um, uh, what, what should I say there, Manny? Like basically that we, we've something, got confidence in our there. Nick. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Something just, just a little bit like just some pace that he can sort of, uh, it's the equivalent of like, yeah. this is something you can go home and work on. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's the light at the end of the tunnel, Stevie J, isn't it? Like, the, if you had poor lap pace from a qualifying position and then also poor racing pace, then you kind of go, boys, man, I've got nothing to work with here. You, you know, you're giving me nothing. But when you've got good race pace but but poor qualifying pace, that just gives you one thing to, to have to work on. I would just mm-hmm. like Nick to be able to unlock that one lap pace because driving from... 25th or whatever it was at the back of the field, that's hard work, particularly around somewhere like Townsville. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if he can qualify further up the front, we'll see the talent that we both know he is. But, uh, mm. you know, Bruce Stewart was, he was also, um, he was very happy with Chaz over the weekend and he was he was more down on himself and the team for not giving um, Nick a, a decent car again because, as you say, Nick's racing it well, he just can't get single lap pace out of it. So, mm. I guess we'll have to wait and see when we go to the bend whether they've been able to uh, to unlock a few things in that car. There you go. That's our power rankings. Uh, Matty, before we let you go quickly, you're in action at uh, Lakeside. So if we could hold off the frostbite for just a little bit because we want to talk about your exploits in the MX-5 because there is a little something <laughs> that went into the trophy cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, got a little bit of it. Got a dust collector to take back to the trophy cabinet and the uh, the little Max on the weekend. Uh, look, I, I'd never raced at Lakeside, would you believe? I've driven there in some road cars, but uh, I'd never actually raced there. And Stevie J, I, I completely know why some people love it, but I also completely understand why some people hate it because it is a scary little place. 
if you go off the road there, as you well know, you won't you won't stop on your own. You'll be stopped by a barrier or a tree or something. Um, so it was a bit of an eye opener on the weekend. But yeah, we had some good results. We, I think we had four or five races and was third in each one of them. So unsurprisingly, picked up a um, a third. We're still working out the car. We're still trying to work out how to get the best out of it. But uh, I must say that the boys at Team Johnson, Stevie J, Ben and Jet, gave me a a cool little car to run around in. It was uh, it was good fun. People will. Oh, go, go sorry, on, I, was, I was just going to ask them. Have you how many nuggets have you eaten out of the trophy, Matty? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, mate, this is state racing, so it's not exactly like the uh, Scott McLaughlin championship winning trophy. <laughs> I reckon I could probably get maybe two or three nuggets, maybe. It'll sound it'll sound more, Matty, if you, if you start putting popcorn chicken in there. Oh, you see? Perfect. That's exactly what I'll do. I'll go through Dirty Bird uh, when I get home. I'll throw some popcorn chicken in it. And I'll, we'll put it up on the socials, boys. But, yeah, no, it was, it, look, it was really good. And as I said, we're building um, we're building confidence every time we get back in the car, and and hopefully uh, we'll be right to go jump back into the TA two sometime towards the end of the year. But a thoroughly enjoyable weekend. So thank you, boys. Uh, do yourself a favour if you haven't already, like the Kubota Racing page. You can uh, stay up to date with the progress of the Ronnie chassis that is currently being put together and uh, its journey to get back on track. So I heartily recommend uh, you do like the Kubota Racing page and even the Team Johnson one because it's been doing some... Uh, the Team Johnson team have been doing some wonderful stuff in the shop. But, Matty, I'll let you get inside and warm up, mate. Thank you for jumping on board, and we'll see you back in the studio uh, next week for the live edition of The Driver's Seat. Have a great week, boys. Thanks so much. This is The Driver's Seat for Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Welcome back to The Driver's Seat. As always, we do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Um, Obviously, because of state of origin, we are live to tape at the moment. And uh, at the moment, Queensland and New South Wales are 6-all. So depending on when you listen to this, Go Queensland or uh, boo New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's crack open the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, let's open up the old mailbag. Here we go. Now, I don't know if you saw our socials, Stevie, because the clash in the final race in Townsville, they set off some very, very passionate responses from the driver's seat faithful on our social media with some very, very, very passionate responses. Uh, Gabe's kicked it all off with uh, she has been a tremendous uh, contributor to the driver's seat when we have our live show. Great racing in Super 2 and 3. Sad outcome for the ALU Falcon. Yes. <laughs> kind of sad at bad sportsmanship at the main game, though. wonder how Uncle Roland feels about that. Saturday's race was good to see six to seven different teams in the top ten towards the end. Ross went and wrote, he didn't deserve to be given the second race. Sure, ADP hit him, but he also tried to redress and give first back. SVG chose not to cross the line first. Disgraceful. Supercars gave him the win. They should have given him second, just as he chose. Stuart Lanham, good friend of the program, uh, went and said on our Facebook page, to all the kids looking up to these drivers, one went out and showed very poor sportsmanship. Anton went for the gap. Uh, it didn't come off, so he did all he could to redress. And rather than accept and move on, 
leaving the winning on the track. He did all he could to get the stewards involved. Very poor form and poor showing of sportsmanship. Matty mm. Eves, with a lot of passion on the socials, he basically sent a thesis in. G'day, chaps. First time caller, long time listener. Just finished watching the Sunday at Townsville. Came to life in the last 10 laps or so. Good to see Anton de Pascal had a crack, but oh my God, what a sook. The scowl on his face on the podium and then the very unenergetic champagne spray looking like someone took his toys. Very disappointing. And Giz just saying in the post-race that he doesn't want penalties to discourage people having a crack, yet he intentionally made Anton get a penalty rather than just passing and coming first on track. That was one of the most disappointing pieces of crap sportsmanship I've ever seen. Love the show, fellas. I listen via podcast every week and enjoy the insights and laugh. I love the sport and I'm very much looking forward to a fresh change with Gen 3, hopefully. Shane is an incredible driver and I'm very much a Holden guy, but what he did in today's race was poor sportsmanship. Forcing the penalty on Anton, my kids call him that now, rather than letting him redress, which is pointless. Mm-hmm. Bring on the bend and hopefully some cliff falling tyres. Do you reckon that when that, well, you've been in those pretty like tight scenarios when, when it comes down to just doing you got to do those split-second decisions. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that when you're in a supercar, Stevie, you're not sort of th- sitting there going, geez, I wonder what I'm going to do at turn 11 or I wonder what I'm going to do at turn 1 or turn 2 or whatever. Like, in that moment, and we'll, we'll put it from Anton's perspective, you're in the very final corner and this is your chance to actually get on the top step of the podium. Wouldn't you have a crack? Oh, absolutely. And, and you could see the... Um, the rear camera out of uh, SVG's car um, showed how close Anton was at the apex of turn 10. So um, up until that point, he was probably a little bit too far back, um, and he was still probably too far back, honestly, to have a go into the last corner. But he thought, you know what? He was probably thinking, if I get a 15-second penalty here, I'm probably still P3 anyway because I was 13. He's, they're 13 seconds up on Cam Waters. So mm-hmm. I guess all in all, you had to have a crack. Um, and I'm glad that he did. I'm glad I like when people have a crack and it, yeah, sure. It didn't come off and it's, that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, in, in any sport, yeah. you it's know, the, it's if, the risk versus reward, like absolutely risk versus rewarded. And, you know, as we're sitting here watching the live, um, state of origin going, you know, you, you can see guys having a crack and they're making mistakes, but what do you want them to just not run forward and through the guys and, um, and basically, you know, not drop the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mistakes are going to happen. And that was Anton's mistake. And he owned it. He said, yeah, I, I deserved, I didn't deserve to win. Um, the result, the right result form, formed itself after the race in regarding that uh, five second post race penalty. So, um, and I guarantee you that they did that um, on purpose to, to obviously put Anton behind Shane, but in front of Cam. If Cam was only three and a half seconds back, I guarantee you they would have just done a role reversal between Shane and, and ADP or given him a two-second penalty. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's what would have happened either way. And I think that was the same thing to do. Otherwise, it's going to discourage people from having a go, from having a crack at passing and, and, and not being content to sit in second spot, even though it's a great position. Um, you know, you don't want to get the top three to then go, oh, wow, I'm on the podium. I'm just going to yeah. sit here now yeah. and, and not have a go, you know. So I think that that's good. Um, you know, in the end, if you're 11th and you really want to get into the top 10, um, you will have a lunge like that. You'll have a crack because, you know what, what's worse, you know, you, you might go back to 12th or 13th or, or 15th or whatever it is. So 11th to 15th or doesn't really matter, you know, but getting in the top 10 and fin- finishing in the top 10 is worth the risk. Yeah. And, 
some people would see that having risking a second place finish to win is not not uh, like a good enough risk but I think it is I think you know it's a it's a everyone wants to win everybody is out there to be number one and if you're content with coming second then you're probably yeah you're in the wrong uh, game in the wrong game and that doesn't mean supercars that doesn't mean um, football that doesn't mean AFL that doesn't mean golf you know it's, mm. it's, it's every sport because if you're a golfer um, and you're coming second and you're only a couple of shots off the lead or you're three shots off the lead coming down the last hole, you're going to just give up? No. No, no. You're, gonna, you're not going to. You're going to go full send, aren't you? When, when and, you... And, you've, and you might have a five-shot uh, buffer to the guy behind you in third. Yep. Of course you're not going to just, uh, you know, punt it down the down the fairway and get it on the green and, you know, and maybe aim for a triple bogey to still yeah. finish second. You're not going to do that. You're going to try to birdie or eagle the hole to win. So all of these all of these messages came on our Facebook page. When you see passion like this from the fans, like it is good, but also at the same time, if you are in supercars land and you're seeing that this is the sort of people that are getting on their keyboards, because people like is if there's anything worse than people not talking about the race, that's got to be worse for the sport, doesn't it? At least this was good. It was great to see people get passionate. People have got their different opinions, and you can see why Scafey was kind of like, oh, I'm going to poke the bear a little bit here, can't you? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's, it's got a fair run. You know, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the, so I think supercars have made their own four or five uh, stories just about that. There was one this and, afternoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely getting their money's worth from it. And, and, you know, that's what they want. They want a bit of action. They want a bit of um, realism. They want a bit of controversy. They want a bit of, the, bit, bit, bit of all of that because it brings um, viewership to the sport. And that's what we want. We want to bring viewership to the sport in the right way. We don't want controversy in the way of off-track stuff no, or whatever not. it might be. Um, but on track stuff, yeah, that was controversial. Absolutely, did ADP deserve to win after that? No, he didn't. Um, but was there bad um, sportsmanship? Maybe, but you know, yeah. I mean, was there that? That wasn't ideal. But you know, in the end, you know, Shane won the race. ADP finished second. Um, they should have both been stoked up on the podium. It was actually cool to see uh, Shane's dad, Cheese, up there. Yeah, um, Robert Van Gisbergen up there. He hasn't been to a race since early 2020. Because of the the pandemic, so great to see Cheese. I spoke to him over the weekend. He's such a good guy, um, and it was good to see him over here. So, um, so there's a lot of positives there. There's a few negatives, which you know I'd like to forget about and just focus on the positives. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, this race had a bit of drama at the end, and everyone left Townsville. I guarantee you, there wasn't one person that left the racetrack that wasn't talking to their mates or mm. talking to their friends or texting their group chats going and saying, oh, well, what about this? What about that? And that's what we want, a bit of a lively discussion, which is what we saw, at least, on the driver's seat yeah. uh, socials. But uh, you're listening to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. We've got some loose ends. We'll tie them up in just a moment. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. A couple of loose ends that we'll tie up here on the driver's seat before we hang it up for another week. As always, we want to thank Kubota for their support. For over 40 years, they've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. Maddie mentioned uh, Tony Quinn beforehand, and Tony Quinn's mm. family have posted an update on his injuries and his well-being following that nasty crash in the first Carrera Cup race on the weekend. Uh, he, in case you didn't see it, uh, TQ hit the inside wall at turn 10, fired him high speed into the outside wall, 
And after the crash, he was taken to Townsville University Hospital, where he remains. A statement written by his family reads as follows. Tony TQ has suffered several broken bones, a punctured lung, and he's still in hospital. His partner, Kate, and TQ's three kids are supporting each other, and they are there for TQ. The hospital team are doing a fantastic job, and the priority at the moment is to ensure TQ allows his body to rest after the trauma to his body. He's stable. He's aware of the outpouring concern for him, and he's humbled. His family wish to thank you for all the messages of support and concern. Their focus is on TQ, and as such, we ask that if you want to get a message to them or TQ, please either post your messages on their socials or private message us on the page, and we will ensure he gets them all. You'll appreciate that he's made a lot of friends over the years, and it's becoming a bit overwhelming for them as they're receiving one hundreds of messages. We'll keep you posted with the progress on his Tony Quinn Facebook page as and when it's appropriate. For now, the family in TQ just needs some space and privacy to focus on his recovery, which also means please no visitors to the hospital. We're immediately grateful for the outpouring of concern and best wishes. Thank you all. Awful, awful to see because this is the mm. risks that we sort of face every time you sort of pop the helmet on and uh, strap your seatbelts in, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, it is, mate. And it's it's... You know, especially to a guy like Tony Quinn, you know, we all go out there when I was full-time, you know, as a professional driver, you do, um, you're sort of at peace with understanding that this could happen to you, you know, mm-hmm. Chaz Mostert, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, happened to him in 2014 at Bathurst with a big accident, you know, and whether you're a professional or an amateur um, doing it, it, you do know and understand the risks of it. You know, you hope it never happens to you. But, um, you know, you do understand that. And, and, you know, TQ, even though that he was there just wanting to enjoy his driving, he was enjoying this new Porsche Carrera Cup car that, that is, is new for this year, um, you know, he made a very, very small mistake, which many people have done it at other circuits, yep. you know, um, and clipped the inside wall, which basically turned him left. And he hit the left-hand outside concrete wall, pretty close to head on to be yeah. fair just on a bit of an angle um it's probably one of the worst carrera cup cars in regard to damage that i've ever seen um it was literally flat back to the windscreen yeah. so the whole car um at the front and the car to be to its credit did a great job it's a very it, it crumpled where it needed to crumple it um the fuel cell in those cars are up the front as you if if you're a Porsche enthusiast, you know that the engines are at the back. So yep, yep. Um, surprisingly, the, the the fuel tank didn't rupture, which was another amazing miracle that 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 could have even been worse. With someone of the injuries that TQ had, with several broken ribs, a broken leg, you know, puncture lung, all that sort of thing, um, you know, you wouldn't have he, he couldn't move. He was actually unconscious. So. Um, you know, we, we are as a, as our family is getting. We've we've had quite a few updates through their family yep. um, because we know them quite well, and and you know it is going to take a while for TQ to recover. Um, so we do obviously wish him all the best. He's in great hands at the moment, and uh, um, and as uh, you know, even my dad said tonight. You know, I mean, my dad was speaking to T, TQ only the night before um, that happened, and um, and and he was expressing that, you know. He didn't really like being down the back as much because, um, you know, just the, the, the level of the Carrera Cup Championship and even the level of the Pro-Am drivers now have, have lifted significantly. significantly yeah. Um, so, and you've got massive uh, grid sizes too as well. Massive grid sizes, you know, well into the 30s. And, uh, um, you know, I think for, for him, um, he was just going to 
cruise along for the year and, and just enjoy driving the car and doing what he loved doing, um, not really putting any pressure on himself to, to finish anywhere as such. Um, but yeah, just made a very small mistake on the opening lap. Probably probably had a little bit more grip than he thought it was going to have on the first lap with cold tyres and it turned a little bit good and um, clipped the concrete wall on the inside and, and the rest is history. So, yeah. um, you know, you know, obviously it, it doesn't matter who it is in, in, in any motorsport form for us. Um, it's even more shocking when it's someone that you know. So, yeah. um, you know, all the best to Tony and the family and, um, you know, our fingers uh, and toes across for him to, to get well soon and um, see him back out at QR because, um, you know, what he's doing for Queensland Motorsport out at Q- Queensland Raceway mm-hmm. um, is phenomenal. And I think everybody's going to be very impressed once they they do end up getting out there to uh, to see what he's done out there and, and what he's going to continually to do in the future for, for motorsport in Queensland. Yeah, very much so. So uh, our best wishes and... Uh, TQ is definitely in our thoughts, and we've been seeing that mm-hmm. the outpouring of support um, from his from the motorsport community. Uh, one last one before we do wrap up tonight. Uh, it has finally been confirmed. So Michael Massey has left the FIA. Now there has been months of silence, but the FIA has confirmed that uh, Aussie race director Michael Massey has decided to leave the FIA with immediate effect. Uh, he took on the role of Formula One race director and safety delegate in 2019. It was a role that he held until the controversial championship decider in Abu Dhabi last year. I think Greg Rust summed this up the best on his social media. Uh, Rusty went and said this, Often in life you're judged by how you deal with the aftermath, not just a moment of tension. This bloke is all class. The international governing body's treatment of him post-Abu Dhabi 21 is a disgrace in my opinion. As other colleagues have said here today, their loss. Power on Michael. And you know Michael Massey pretty well. You've uh, crossed yep. paths with him in the day. Um, what do you think's next for him? I'm not sure. You know, I mean, I did uh, catch up with Michael recently uh, on a trip down when I was in working in Sydney and uh, had dinner with him. And, you know, I, I probably had maybe a little bit more of an inside scoop, Nimsy, and, and knew this was had already happened mm-hmm. um, back then. So, but obviously he asked for silence and, and you know, he wanted, obviously wanted to release that um, statement on his own terms. Yep. And, and I think that, for Michael, he's such a smart guy that he could literally do anything. And, you know, I do read and I do feel sick. Um, oh, when you see some of the... When some I of see the... some of the comments that pe- people don't even know. And I understand what social media is like. I understand what people are like. And I, we've had it our whole life. Yeah. Our whole family's had it our whole life. And... Um, uh, just some of the you know, vile stuff that's been directed yeah, at him for yeah. literally something that happened in a race. Like when yep. you look at the grand scheme of things, it's a race. <laughs> like, yeah, it is, and and I think that they forget that um, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in the background that people don't know about, and um, you know, they're, they're th- just some of the comments are just just horrendous. But I mean, he he is he is already sorely missed um, at uh, at. I guess at the FIA at Formula One level, yep. Um, they're not. You're not going to see another bloke like him. And for me, and for him, I think he was he was offered many big, big, big roles within the FIA because I know that they hold him in very high regard. And he declined them all because I think that he just wants to make a new chapter now um, with things that have happened and and things that went on behind the scenes and. Um, you know, I believe that um, you know whatever he does, he's going to thrive. And you know, I've worked with him in the past through Carrera Cup as a 
um, as a race director for Carrera Cup, um, and I'd work with him again in a heartbeat. I'm sure. Yeah, that's and the, the thing about um, what's what Michael's got in the future. One, there are plenty of doors that are going to open for him. I can guarantee you that right now. So, yeah. and and he did a tremendous role. As uh, I know, I know we we do have a bit of bias because he's an Aussie, but uh, by all intents and purposes, he's an absolute legend, and uh, no doubt that whatever mm. whatever is in the future for him. Um, he will grab it with both hands and absolutely do a fantastic job. But uh, that wraps up another edition of The Driver's Seat. We'll be back live on your radios and on The Driver's Seat app next week. But, uh, Stevie, thanks for jumping on board, and uh, you enjoy the drive home. And uh, we'll chat Yeah, next thanks, mate. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll chat next week. Will do, mate, for sure. Looking forward to it. And uh, it'll be the same drive for me from Talon Bend into the Adelaide CBD to record next week's show. Oh, well, not record, live next week. Yeah, so your texts and messages, your messages will be most appreciated next week. It'll make the drive all worth it, I can tell you that. But we'll catch you next week on The Driver's Seat. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.